Yeah, and good morning to you. We are so glad that you're here today. And I'm listening to all this music this morning. I get it. You see, I get an advantage that you don't get. Um, I just told Trey when he was up here, I said, Trey, that was just really wonderful how all the songs just fit in what I'm teaching today. And that's the advantage I have. I know what God has laid on my heart to share with you. And I see the words on the screen and sing them and meditate on them sometimes. And I'm just going, wow. So I'm pretty wild up. I don't know if you got wild or not, but I'm pretty wild up. And I'm very wild that you chose to come to our church this morning. And I'm really wild about what God has given us to share. We are on our last Sunday of Family Matters Do Matter. And, you know, it's kind of a broad shot there. Um, We talked about, obviously, about families. But we also talked about the Christian life in general. And that's important. Um, And so same thing with the message today. The title is God all that matters. Remember, every week we had the word matters in there. God, all that matters. And we're going to talk about the family part of that, but we really are also going to talk about the bigger part of that. And so um, you might say, Dwayne, where are we going next? Where are we going next? And um, we're going to a series uh, uh, that is all about America. And the title of the series is Can Slash Will God Bless America? Can, will, God bless America. And that starts next week and goes all five Sundays through July. And I have scoured the Word of God and grabbed scriptures that talk about a national revival and repentance and a God blessing and not blessing nations. So look forward to that next week as we kick off on the 4th of July weekend. Can, will, God bless America. So let's look at today, though, God, all that matters. As I was thinking about how to introduce this message today, Day. Um, you know, it's been my privilege to preach now. Uh, June 12th, I think, was 41 years I've been ordained, 42. Um, I was licensed. I got to be your pastor uh, for 40, uh, 43. It seems like 43. No, no, really. 23 years. It's 23 years. We start our 24th year in the middle of July, and it's been a great, great ride um, together. And as I think back all of that, all that I've taught, my privilege of sharing um, the Word of God, there are several things that I talked about, but the whole thing was, the whole thing was God is all that matters, that God is all that matters. Um, um, sometime I talked about the fear of God. God, I fear you, and, but not the kind of like, oh, no fear, but how that we should worship and show reverence for God. You know, that was a big deal, and, and that's one way that, to teach you about all that matters is, of course, God. And, and then I thought about, you know, I need you. We just sang that song, I need you, oh, I need you. And, and again, that's a way to, I've taught that over the years, and the idea being, you know, if I can, Father, if I can teach the people that how much they need you, um, that that's a really, really good thing, how, how dependent we are on you. So through the years, I've talked to you about how that we should need God. And then hopefully along the way, um, I'm not a doctrinal teacher per se. Um, like I say, there's, that's a big movement today. But I also have tried to teach you why we believe what we believe. And that also was important and should point back to all that matters um, is God. And we even talked about service a lot. We're a service-oriented church. I mean, we are known for the way we reach out and touch people. Harrisburg, Saline County, across this nation, and really around the world. And also, your wonderful generosity in missions. And we've taught that. And, and we, that's the one thing we've seen grow over our 23 years with you. And so that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. And hopefully it helps you realize, you know, God, you're really all that matters. But here's the biggie. Here is the biggie. The one thing 
the crown jewel of my teaching, I try to make the crown jewel of my teaching, is love. Is love. Um, you know, we talk about, you know, the fear of God, and I need God, and I want to know about God, you know, I want to serve God, but the key thing is that we love God, that we love God. In fact, in fact, you know, the Bible teaches us that we love him because he first loved us. You know, we love him because he first loved us. And, and, and the whole deal is, you know, is we know he loves us, you know, because, because of the fact of the cross. You know, for God so loved the world, the whole world. Black, white, green, yellow, rich, poor, English-speaking, not English-speaking. He loved the whole world. And that anybody who believes in his son Jesus and what he did, you know, can have eternal life. How crazy is that? You know, and, and in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, where, you know, where God's word says, you know, but God showed his love toward us, and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And all that points to why God is so important, why it is that all that matters is God. So we want to look at a different approach of all this loving God and how that can be played out in our lives. I want to start with a story. Um, it's about a man, um, and his dad, his dad was a really important guy, you know, and yeah, and, and he had an affair. And um, there's this woman that was taking a bath on a roof, and he had to look over and see her, and well, one thing led to another. He calls her in, and, and they have an affair, and uh, one night stand, but it wasn't one night. And, and so in order to cover everything up, of course, the, his dad had this guy's, this lady's wife killed, murdered. You know, well, he thought he'd covered up pretty good, and well, God saw it. You know, it is with God, and and he sends the prophet in and says, "Oh, listen, you know, you've sinned against God," and and his dad repented of the sin, and God, you know, that's something about God. He's a God of second chances. I really like that. So God gave him a second chance, uh, although there were consequences. There were consequences. Um, that she conceived on the one night stand. Um, she conceived and had a son, and that son died. In fact, God took the baby from them. Um, the Bible's very clear about that. And, and, then, and then later on, of course, they had another son. Actually, several more sons. But they had this son, and this guy's name was Solomon. And, and so he inherited the throne. Boy, the brothers didn't like that. But he inherited the throne, and, you know, he really wanted to do right. Now, he had a lot of baggage. He had a lot of baggage, but he really wanted to do the right thing. He really wanted to be the guy that God was all that matters. Okay, and so and so he goes to God, and you know he says, "Okay, God, you know, actually, I'm sorry, God came to him. That's what, ooh, that's even that's even weirder. You know, God came to him and said, "Okay, Solomon, what can I do for you? Ask whatever you want from me, and I'll give it to you. Have you ever wished God would say that to you? One word, God, lottery, you know, you know, money, you know, success, fame. Well, Solomon was a really, really wise guy. And he goes, no, God, I tell you what, I, I think I would like wisdom. I really want to do a, a, even a better job than my dad did in leading the country and leading the nation of Israel. So I would pray for wisdom. And God was so impressed. You know, God goes, oh, my Oh my, you could have asked for wealth and fame and you did not ask for that. So here's what I'm going to do, Solomon. I'm going to give you that wisdom to lead this country, but I'm also going to give you everything else. And sure enough, God made him like incredibly wealthy, um, very popular. Um, there was a great time of peace you know, in the nation. And, and, you know, and he was a wise guy. I mean, he had it all. He had it all. <sighs> if that was only the end of the story. But it's not because... I guess, you know, I think, have you ever heard the stories about an incredibly smart kid 
who's in the second grade needs to be in the fifth. And the teacher says, your son needs to be promoted because he is bored stiff in second grade. Well, I really think Solomon got bored with life. Okay, so he writes this book called Ecclesiastes, and in it is his story. And in verse number 14 of chapter 1, okay, we kind of get the, the introduction to the book. And here's what Solomon wrote. I observed everything going on under the sun. So, so Solomon just starts looking around the world. You know, he logged into Facebook and, and got everybody's opinion on all the different stuff there. He watched the news. He watched CNN. He watched MSNBC. He, of course, watched Fox News. He watched all the different news broadcasts. He even had an Instagram account, all right? And he even did TikTok. So he wanted to know all that was going on under the sun because he wanted to appraise everything. So he did that, okay? And here's what happened, though. After he observed everything going on under the sun, he came to this conclusion, it is all meaningless. So this dude who had all the money you could ever want, had popularity, he had power, popular with the ladies, okay, and that, was one of his downfalls, like his dad. Um, but anyway, popular lace, all of that. And when he came to the conclusion of it, you know, you know, bought all the, you know, bought the biggest truck, the biggest boat, the biggest house, were all the right labels. Is there anything I'm leaving out here? You know, okay, all of that. And he came to the conclusion, really, it is all meaningless. And that's the crazy part about America. That's the American story, you know, because we have so much. We have so much. I mean, a lot of you have never been to Africa, never been to different parts of the third world country where, you know, people are just glad to have the next meal, you know, they don't even care what it is as long as they got something to eat, you know, but in America, we have so much. We have so much, just like, just like Solomon did. And a lot of people in America are coming to the same conclusion. It's meaningless. Why do you think so many movie stars and, and sports figures and, and you know, just plain wealthy people and famous people, so many of them are depressed and sad, and so often they commit suicide? Why is that? Because money and wealth and power and prestige and all that stuff doesn't make life purposeful. In fact, it leads to this point, this conclusion, it's all meaningless. In fact, Solomon said, in fact, it's like chasing the wind. It's like chasing the wind. Can you imagine, of course, you're outside, you know, a big gust of wind comes, and you decide you're going to capture the wind, and you run as fast and as hard as you can after it, grasping to grasp the wind, and it's meaningless. You can't do that. You can't grasp it. And that's what we do in America and in our part of the world. You know, we, we do life that way. We work as hard as we can so that we can play as hard as we can, and when it's all said and done, we all are empty because it all seems meaningless, meaningless. So what's the answer to this? What, what's the answer to maybe you, maybe you, maybe our Facebook friends watching today, maybe those on the radio, maybe somebody's going to watch this in the future. You're sitting there and go, you know, that's just how I feel, Dwayne. It's not that I don't have money. I've got money. It's not that I'm not popular. I am popular. Um, it's not that I don't have power. I've got influence. I just feel so empty. What is the answer to that? Well, maybe it is. Maybe it's in a relationship, rather than chasing the wind, maybe it's a relationship with the master of the wind. 
the creator of the wind. I love the stories of Jesus. And one of my favorites is the one he's asleep, taking a Sunday afternoon nap. He had preached and he was taking his nap. That's what I do. And so anyway, so yeah, so they're in this boat and Jesus is in the stern of the boat and he's got his head down on the pillow and he's sleeping and all of a sudden this big, big, big storm comes up. You know, everybody's afraid. In fact, these, these, a lot of them are seasoned uh, fishermen. You know, the waves are coming over the boat. And they go, ah, we're going to die. And somebody gets the brilliant idea. Let's go wake Jesus up. Clue, if Jesus, the Son of God, is sleeping, you're okay. But they didn't realize that. And so they run back to the back of the boat. Well, they didn't run because the boat was only like 30 feet long. But they went to the back of the boat, and they wake Jesus up. They shake him up and say, Jesus, Jesus, get up. Don't you care that we are going to die? When the Son of God is in your boat, you ain't going to die. Can I have an amen? When the Son of God is in your boat, you ain't going to die. But anyway, they thought they were. They wake him up. Jesus stands up and commands, like duck commander. He commands the waves to stop and the wind to stop. And instantly they do. And in the Greek, it's really clear. It, it talks about the fact that suddenly there are waves and suddenly there weren't waves. So there was wind and suddenly there's not wind. Okay? And he gives them a little short sermonette about faith and why you're afraid for and that, that thing. But here was their conclusion. Okay? They had their own conclusion. Who is this man? <laughs> Who is this man that even... The wind and the waves obey him. Now, that's the kind of guy you want in your court. And if you find yourself with a meaningless life and you feel like you're chasing the wind, maybe the answer lies in the guy who can command the wind, who creates the wind. Maybe the answer is in God. Maybe, you know what? God is really all um, that matters. Uh, a guy named Dylan Burroughs, and he is, he is a, he's a teacher, Okay, and, and this is so good. This hopefully is a hook to, to draw you in today. You know, this really should make you feel good. The Bible's message of all the, all the books says, you know, and it's a pretty thick book, 66 books, in fact, um, in the Bible. But the whole thrust of this is one of redemption from Genesis um, to Revelation. The whole thrust of it is, is about our redemption. And the message of the Bible Dylan says, is that you matter to God. Whoa. Now listen, I promise you, listen to this, there's a lot of people who do not care what's going on in your life. There's a lot of people, important people care the least. If you think the guy in the White House cares, or the State House, or as far as that goes, City Hall really cares about what's going on in your life, you're just wrong. You're just wrong. But there is somebody who really cares. And he's the God who made all of this. The message, read the book, read the book. The message is over and over again, the Bible that God cares. Again, for God so loved the world, he gave his son to a wooden cross, that God showed his love for us, that even though we we're messed up with warts and all of that, he still loved us. How amazing is that? So the message of the Bible is that you matter to God. And what is our response to that? What can be our response to that? It has to be that God matters to us. Why would you not? I know why. We've messed everything up. We've taught you that religion is the answer. That God's not happy with you unless you keep the rules. We know one thing. We're not happy with you if you don't keep the rules. So people go, I don't want that. 
I don't come to church to feel guilty, okay? So here's the deal. You know, you, you know, God, you know, God says you matter to me. And when you get that in your mind, that God loves you and cares for you, okay, the natural response is going to be, wait a minute, God does matter to me. How could he not matter when he loves me so much and gives me so much? So our teaching point kind of goes along with that. Francis Chan, uh, a, a teacher, teacher preacher, said kind of the same thing. God's presence is all that matters. In our lives, the most important thing, the most important thing is God's presence in our lives. Okay, now again, you, you could believe that or not believe that, but if you halfway believe the Bible, you got a guy named Solomon, a guy named Solomon had all the power, all the prestige, and all the money. He said, it's all meaningless. I'm telling you, it's all meaningless, okay? So God's presence is all that matters. Maybe that's true. Maybe the guy that controls the wind is the guy we ought to be following, okay? Now, what happens when we don't? What happens when we don't? Well, and again, I'm not talking about rules and religion and all that stuff. What happens when we exclude God? God, you don't matter in my life. Well, when we exclude him, it leads to this flood of regrets. Okay? And, and then on the play of words, it also leads to a drought of his blessings. All right? So when we choose to say, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure this out on my own. Where are you going to end up with a whole bunch of regrets? whole bunch of regrets. And, and regrets always have you know, consequences. Regrets and consequences. And, and then we find ourselves in this place where God really can't bless us. He's not, he's not, he can't. We put in a position where he with, has to withhold his blessings from us. But, but here's the deal. His daily, on the other side of the coin, his daily presence leads us to daily showers of blessings. I bet you've just figured out why we sang showers of blessings, showers of blessings we need. That's why we asked Trey to sing that. Because when we include God in our daily lives, okay, then it leads to showers of blessings. So we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at Joshua, and then we're going to look at this thing called the Shema. Okay? Now, I happen to know you're probably going to eat lunch here today, so you don't have to worry about beating our friend the Methodist to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, Alan, you know, the, 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 never mind. We won't go there about the Methodist. But anyway, yeah. So, so anyway, so we got a little extra time today, so hopefully we'll get all the way through the message. All right? That's what I'm trying to tell you. Okay? So, so let's lead up. We're going to jump in with Joshua 24. It's a real famous scripture. Okay? And Joshua's old, okay, kind of like your pastor, he's getting a little bit old, okay, so Joshua's, you know, figuring out his time is about in there, and so he says, you know what, it's time we have a little conversation with the Israelites, so he has this conversation, and he's trying to help them understand that God is all that matters, that God, all that matters, okay, and, and they've, they've wrestled with this their entire deal, okay, um, the Israelites and the church are so much alike, you know, the Israelites, you know, like to play hokey pokey with God. You ever play hokey pokey with God? Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, you put your left foot in, you take your left foot out, you put your left foot in, and you shake it all about. You don't, you play hokey pokey with God. God, here's my heart. I give you my heart. I put it in. I take my heart right out. I put my heart right in. And sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, you know, we do this. You know, well, the Israelites did that. They were playing hokey pokey with God. In and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And then when you play hokey pokey with God, then you find yourself on a roller coaster. 
okay? You know what roller coasters do. They go up and down and up and down and up and down. And people who pay hokey pokey with God also find themselves on a roller coaster up and down. And you want to know why we are miserable as Christians? Because we're in and out, in and out, up and down, up and down, up and down. And that's why we're miserable. And then throw on top of that, we're fickle lovers. The nation of Israel certainly was. One minute they love God, the next minute they love some other God. One minute they love God, the next minute they love another God. And we're just like that. So, so here was the situation. So Joshua leads them to a point, and he asks them this valid question. Over in Joshua 24, 15, he says, Okay, it do, if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord God. In other words, you're here today. I got you here. I have a little sermonette thing going on. So if you're here and it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, Okay, if it doesn't please you to worship, then you've got to choose. You've got to choose. Choose for yourselves today, and I put this in brackets to make sure I was legal you know, with all the, all the God thing, okay? So, so you know, you, you've got to choose for yourselves today who or what, and I think the original uh, translation was which, because he's going to give them a choice between two, between two gods, okay? But choose for yourselves today who or what you will worship. And the choice he gave them is pretty good. He says, choice number, behind door number one is the gods your ancestor worshipped beyond the Euphrates River. Back to Egypt. Maybe he says, perhaps you want to watch it, worship the God of your ancestors. Maybe y'all want to pack up and you want to go back to Egypt. And crazy enough, there were people after 400 years of slavery in Egypt, it wasn't like two months before some of them were saying, Let's go back. Why is that? Because they forgot. They forgot. They go, oh, yeah, I'm, you know what I remember? We had all the food we wanted. Of course, it was leeks and onions, but we had all the food we wanted. Oh, oh and guess what the unemployment rate was? Zero. Everybody was employed. Of course, they beat you, but, but you kind of forget that. You kind of forget that, okay? And it's kind of like babies. You know, the, the folks have been charged with having babies, Glad that's not the men, it's the ladies. You know why? If, 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 the la- if the ladies remembered how hard labor was, the population would probably be 200 in the entire world. But fortunately, ladies, you forget. And about the time you forget, you're ready to have another baby, and that's why there are 8 billion people in the world. Okay? Not even a laugh. <laughs> All right, okay, yeah, yeah. So, so they, the people forgot what Egypt was like. And so we find ourselves, don't we do it? Oh, listen, life before Jesus was better. Really? Was it really better? Was it really better? Well, well Joshua says maybe you want to go back to Egypt. Or, or maybe you'd like to worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. In other words, they, they, you could look around Canaan, and they're all kind, they had like lots of gods. And not one of them was any good. One of them, you have to burn your kid on an altar. Uh, students, y'all need to pay attention to this. You know, oh, you didn't clean your room again, huh? Yeah, you're going to the temple. You're getting fired up. Yeah, that's the way it was. That's the way it was. Maybe, maybe, maybe you, you want to look around at the gods of the culture. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching on Facebook. Or maybe you're on the radio. And you're going, oh, yeah, you know, I choose the gods of the culture. I mean, boy, I tell you what. You know how they send the weather in Southern Illinois. If you don't like it, wait five minutes, it'll change. If you don't find a god you like in American culture, wait five minutes. We'll produce another one for you. I mean, culture's just producing gods left and right, left and right, and left and right, and left and right. So, so Joshua says, you can pick the God of the past, 
You can pick the God of the present. Which one are you going to choose? So Burroughs, with the way I am like totally lost in my message. Okay, so our teaching point. There we go. I found it, Jamal. Our, our teaching point. You know, a person must choose who and what to worship. Who and what to worship. See, we are worship creatures. We are made to worship. The question is, what are we going to worship? Who are we going to worship? And Jesus said, it's not possible to follow Jesus if they are following someone else. So let's say, for instance, you're driving to Marion, and a friend of yours is in front. He said, now, I know you don't know the way. I'm going to lead you, okay? So you're driving along following your friend, all right? And then this beautiful, wonderful, uh, it's not a woman, beautiful 1965 Mustang GT pulls up beside you and then moves over into your lane. And all you see is 1965 blue Mustang GT. And all of a sudden, the blue Mustang GT turns on its blinker, and you turn with it. All of a sudden, your friend goes one way, and you go another. You can't follow Jesus if you're following someone else. You've got to choose. You've got to choose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's why, here's why Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 6. You know, no one can serve two masters. You just can't. It's not possible. You know, you're either going to hate one and love the other, or you're going to be devoted to one and despise that. You, you can't serve both God and money. You're going to have to choose. And that's what Joshua is saying. You know, you're going to have to choose, guys, which God you want. Okay? Which God you want. The gods of the past, the gods of the, of the present, which one do you want? I like what Jesus said when he said, you cannot serve both God and money. Now, now, the money represents the world. It's not like George Washington's, okay? It's the world. It's the world. You can't serve God and the world. So, so when I wrote this down, I, I put in parentheses on my notes, I put, you cannot serve both God and blank. God and blank. You know, in, in our culture, you know, you fill in the blank. You, you have, have a, students, you get a test, and they say fill in the blank. Okay? All right. Well, this is, this is the deal. You cannot serve both God and blank. And what's your blank? What is it that you would trade God for? You know, what would you put in the blank? Well, Jesus says you just need to know that you cannot serve both. Now, Brian Harden said this, you know, what we need is God. We need to put God in the equation, okay? What we need is God, not whatever quick fix we're looking for. We live in a culture of quick fixes. You know, whatever is popular. I remember when I was in the military, okay, I mean, when I first went into the military, one of the privileges was going to the exchange. And one thing about the exchange is they have all these really cool name brands, Okay, like when I was, when I first joined the military in 1972, Gantt shirts were like the rage. I mean, boy, you almost had to be rich to get a Gantt shirt. Well, you could go get one at the exchange for a very reasonable price. And another thing that they had was gold toe socks. Anybody heard of gold toe socks? Yeah, a few of you guys have. Yeah. I mean, again, once again, they're were, they were like, you know, $4 a pair, $5 a pair, you know. Guess what? I was in Walmart, 
and Walmart now sells gold toe shoe, socks, not shoes, socks, socks. My daughter was with me. I said, Sarah, look at these. First thing I did was pick up a pack of six. Then I put them back because I really didn't need them. But, but, but it was just that, it was the allurement of the gold toe. And that's what we do. We chase the quickest fix. You know, you know, whatever latest label is out there, we want it. We want it. We want it. And that's what we do with this God thing. You know, what we need is God. We don't need the quick fix, the latest quick fix. We need the proven fix, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we get down to verse number 15, the second part, and so we had this challenge, choose, okay? And then Joshua gives us his choice. As for me and my family, he said, you know that? He spoke up for the family. As for me and my family, we are going to worship the Lord. In other words, in my family, God matters. In my family, God matters. And, and guys and gals and, and whatever family where you are with your family, you know, that's what matters. You have to choose what matters. And Joshua did. In spite of it not being the most popular decision in the world, he said, as for me and my family, hey, we're going to worship the Lord. So where does that lead us to? Well, it leads us to our next teaching point. You know, we need to first choose him and then trust him. So if God is going to be what really matters in our life, we got to choose him, and then we need to trust him. I got a really serious, a hard situation in my family. My nephew, 41, two years old, two children, two, three, four, he's dying of cancer. And the phone call is going to come. It's going to come. And he's a great man, loved God. His wife loves God, greatly involved in the church. And my, his mother, my sister, and her husband, my brother-in-law, the brother, everybody is in the God story and the God seen to different levels in different churches. He's going to die. And Judy and I don't know why. And they don't know why. But we know this, we chose him, and we're going to trust him. We chose him, and it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. I'm so concerned for my sister. I'm so concerned. This is the first mother in our family to give up a child. Jim Elliott, you remember him? Jim Elliott was a missionary, um, 28 years old. When he died, Jim Elliott said, God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. Isn't that great? Isn't that a wonderful sentence? You want me to read it again? Sure. God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. Wow. Yeah. Well, Jim Elliott's going to die on a beach in Ecuador, murdered by Native Indians. Him and four others. Age 28. January 8, 1956. The world said, what a waste, what a shame. These five young men, recent college graduates, gave their lives, murdered on a beach. For what? For the glory of God. And the guy said, God always gives his best, his best, his best to those who leave the choice with him. 
This guy also said this. He is no fool to give up what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. Oh, that makes sense. Jim Elliott willingly gave his life for the cause of Christ because he gained what he could not lose to give up. It makes all the sense in the world. He is no fool to give what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. So, let's skip the Billy Graham quote, and let's get to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. This is called the Shema. And there's a great, by the way, if you're in the U version, there's a great reading plan uh, by the Bible Project on the Shema. I highly recommend you watch it. It's videos, and I uh, highly recommend it. But the Shema, well, what's great about the Shema is it's something that every Israelite man, and I'm sure the ladies did in private, but every man said in public, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Every single day. You know, the, you know what the Shema does? The Shema plainly states, God is all that matters. It was a constant reminder to every Israelite. Listen, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. It was a constant reminder. I said to myself, I said, Dwayne, you need to say this every day. And not just say it, you need to believe it. And perhaps it should be part of our worship sometime, not every Sunday, but some of our Sundays. Just remind us, Dorsville, the Lord our God is one, and we shall love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. And that was the setup. That's the setup for this great scripture coming. You know, Greg Laurie said this. You know, Greg Laurie said, you know, loving God, loving God more than anyone or anything else is the very foundation of being a disciple. In other words, we've got to come to the conclusion that, that we are willing to love God more than husbands and wives. And ch- I, know, I, know, I know it sounds crazy, but it's what Jesus said. God, you know, got to love God more than your wife, your children, your, your stuff, your boat, and your, your guns, and, and, and your house, and your career, and your power, and your bank account. You've got to love anyone or anything else. It's the very foundation. The foundation, you know how important the foundation is of being a disciple. If you want to live your Christian life to the fullest, then love Jesus more than anyone or anything else. Can I disagree with him? I will. I will. I don't think you need the word Christian in there. I think it should say, if you want to live your life to the fullest, then love Jesus more than anything or anyone else. I know for me, it's been like 47 years. Let's see, 47, 48. Yeah, almost 50 years. Almost 50 years. And I'm going to tell you something. God's been good to us. God's been, and he's been good to you too. He's been good to you too. God is so good. He, that's why it's easy sometimes, sometimes, to love him. I guess all that matters. Because truly, he is all that matters. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he continues in verse number 6. And these words that I'm commanding you, he says, these words I command you shall be in your heart. You've got to own them. 
So you got to own them. We're going somewhere. So you've got to own these words. You've got to put them and pour them into your own life. And when you pour them into your own life, then you're prepared to do something with them. And what would that be? You don't own them. You teach them. You teach them. Look what the Word of God says. You shall teach them diligently, diligently, emphatically to your children. We need, if first off, we need to own the Word of God for ourselves and plant that in our hearts, and then we need to work at teaching it to our children. Now, I, I, this is one time I can say this again, okay? Lay aside the Jesus being God part. I'm telling you, this book is the best way to live. The rules and guidelines that are here, Jesus, God or not, they're great rules to live by. I believe He's God. I believe there's power because He's God. But the book is good, and this is good. Teach the principles of the Word of God diligently to your children. I have a question. You know, are you teaching them diligently to your children? And how are you teaching them diligently to your children? You know our responsibilities. You know, our responsibility, God's given kids, again, to teach them how to do life. So, okay, are you teaching your kids how to do life? And what are you teaching them about doing life? It's a very two important, important questions, okay? And then, I like this. So you shall talk to them when you sit in your house. So you're sitting on the couch and you talk about God. You know, what's the latest thing God did for you? What's the latest favor God showed you? Okay, what's, what's the latest favor that God showed you? You want to look hard. You look hard, okay? All right, then, then when, and you know, when, you, when you walk by the way, you're taking a walk. Okay, and you talk to your kids and say, hey, you see that, you know, that beautiful bird up there? Who made a beautiful bird? Oh, it's God. Okay. Car runs a stop sign, almost runs over you, but misses you. Hey, wasn't that cool what God just did? Look for the favor of God. Okay. When you lie down. When you lie down at night. And when you rise up in the morning. So saturate your life so you can saturate your kid's life with God. All right. So. Let's move on to our, our last teaching point there, our next to last teaching point, okay? So what would it be? Okay, so, honestly, this is not the time to play hokey pokey. Okay, in, out, in, out. It's not time to play roller coaster. Up, down, up, down, up, down. It's not time to be a fickle lover with God. I love you, God, now, don't need you later. No, I need you now, don't need you later. I need you now, don't need you later. You know, it's not time to play hokey pokey. It's either it's all in or all out. This idea of partial obedience, it's like partial... Oh, I wish I'd thought this in first service. It's like partial faithfulness. Honey, I'm going to be faithful to you, except for Friday nights. I've got a girl down the street. I want to be faithful to her on Fridays. Does that even make sense to anybody? No. No, listen, you know, partial obedience is like unicorns and mermaids. It's great for movies, makes a great plot, but not for your commitment to God. God is all that matters, not religion, not even church. God is all that matters. Okay, our last teaching point, we're done. Go ahead and throw it over there. Ready for some good news. I, I love this. It doesn't matter how far you've walked away from God. The return trip is only one step. So you're sitting there today going, I am so far from God, Dwayne. You're on Facebook going, yeah, I, I didn't come to church. Well, I feel so bad I can't even come to church. The church would fall in if I walked in. It would not. 
okay? But you're sitting there, I've just walked so far. Well, the cool thing is with God, when you turn around, the first step in your home. You don't have to walk, no matter how far you walked away from God, home is not all that journey back. Because of grace, your home when you turn around. It's like Dorothy and the ruby slippers. Click them and you're back in Kansas. By God's grace, the journey home is one step. So listen, God is all that matters. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. He's such a good, gracious God. He loves us so much. The message of the Bible is that you matter to God. And the only response should be and can be, God, you matter to us. Can I get you to bow your heads, please? I hope this was helpful today. I really do. I hope it was helpful today. If you're here and you've never had the opportunity to put your faith and trust in God. Now, again, I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm not talking about becoming a Baptist. Okay, I'm not talking about getting religion. I'm not talking about becoming a rule keeper. I'm talking about the opportunity to have a great relationship with the God who made it all. That's what I'm talking about. And if you'd like to know more about that today, I'd be glad to share with you. We have this, like, decision time. I'll be standing down front. And if you'd like to talk with me about that or maybe till after church, um, we would love to chat with you about that. But maybe you're here today and you've already done that. But you also know that you need to come to terms with, is God in my life all that matters? And again, it's not a matter, God's not going to get an extra point in heaven if you come to that conclusion. Truth is, your life's going to be better. Fewer regrets, smaller consequences. Fewer regrets, smaller consequences. Life isn't perfect. You won't be perfect, and life isn't perfect. But you'll have somebody who will never leave you nor forsake you. And we're going to do something just a little bit different today. You can open your eyes if you like. That's okay. But I'm going to have the team sing a very special song this morning. And you may want to pray with your eyes closed. That's fine. But you might want to just read the words on the screen. It's a very powerful worship invitation song. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to stay seated. But the altar is open. I'll be standing down front. If you'd like to come and pray, you feel free to do that. And we'll be glad to pray with you. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for all you've done. Thank you that you're all that matters. Thank you that we matter to you. Thank you that you want to help us with our kids and our marriage and our life, our families. Thank you that you care. So have your way during this time of invitation. And Jesus, I pray it in your precious name. Amen.